Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey, so what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this morning's message. And what I want to do is I just want to unpack three things. I want to unpack prayer. I want to unpack fasting. And then I really want to talk about the importance of reading God's word. Prayer is one of those things. If you guys, like me, if you love technology, show of hands, how many of you guys love technology? You guys, ooh, we need to work on that, right? So a lot of us, I see some of you love technology, but some of you are like, oh, love-hate relationship. Because when you have this relationship with technology and it lets you down, it's really a bummer, isn't it, everybody? This last week, for those of us that live up here in northeast Fresno in this region, there was a power outage. Did you know that? Power outage knocked a lot of things out, including our internet, our power here. And so we kind of had to like wrap up early the staff and we had to make our way out of here because there, there was, if you don't have power, you can't turn on your computers. There's some things that you just can't do without power. It turns off a lot of things we need to do ministry with. Did you know, though, that you could be on a power blackout, but you could still have a conversation with God? Did you know that? And there's some things that we can do with prayer that we cannot do with technology. I believe technology is a wonderful multiplier of prayer, but it is not dependent on our access to God. God is always on. He's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. He is available for us to have a conversation with him. We can do it immediately. We can do it instantaneously. So if you're having... Notes today, you're taking notes. If you would, write this down. I'm going to give you why do we pray. What is prayer? What is prayer? Number one, if you would, write this down. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. And similar to a relationship that we have with a friend, the more we communicate with our friend, the closer we are with our friends. The same is true with our God. The more we communicate with God in prayer, the more we're going to get to know Him. He already knows us really well, by the way. But we're going to get to know him. And prayer is really a two-way street. It's not only are we listening to God, but he's also hearing our prayers. See, prayer is something that we do, and it's not only with just our, 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 our thoughts, but it's also with our words, and it's even as we're writing it out. That's one of the things that we're going to do on Tuesday morning as men is we're going to journal together. And, and that's one of the spiritual disciplines where we write out our prayers. Because I'll tell you what, when you begin to write out your prayers, you begin to reveal what you believe to be true about God. Just think about that. It, it is true that when we write it out, you can't fake it. It's what you believe about God. Now, what he believes about you is, 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 is true. But sometimes when we write things out, we're like, ooh, I need to kind of make sure that what I'm doing is grounded in Scripture. It is also, though, it is hearing from God. And we're going to talk about one of the primary ways that we hear from God. But communication is a two-way street. It is not only hearing from God, but it is also communicating to God. And God does want to hear our prayers. And he wants to inform our decisions. And this is why it's important. It's because our decisions determine the quality and the direction of our life. And if we're not praying, the decisions that we're making are not the best that they could be. So if you would, write down number two. Uh, what is prayer? It's critical. 
It is critical for a Christian. It keeps us devoted to our Savior. It's mission critical. The health and the depth of our relationship with God is dependent on our prayer life. And for many of us, we know it's true. As Christians, we know we should pray, but if we're being honest and we're in church, and if we can't be honest here, where can we be honest? Right, everybody? If we're being honest, prayer is one of those underutilized muscles that we don't always know how to use. We want to strengthen it, we want to stretch it, but we don't always know how to do it. And so what I wanted to do is I just wanted to make it as easy as one, two, three, though it is more complicated than that. Though it's going to be something that we're going to spend the rest of our time here on earth trying to figure out, I want to share with you how we can pray. Number one, if you would, write this down. We need to ask God to teach us how to pray. We need to teach God to ask us how to pray. Now, granted, I think God will answer a prayer. You know, they say there are no atheists in a foxhole. The truth is, if you've ever been in a if you've ever been in an exam and you didn't study, you're like, oh God, please help, right? God will hear that prayer. There are no shortage of articles and books on prayer. I mean, you can look them up. There's, there's not only hundreds, there's thousands. There's tens of thousands of articles that are posted online right now. You could, you could Google prayer, how to pray, why to pray, and they're going to pop up. But if you do that and you miss out on the most important one, you're missing out on everything. The disciples of Jesus wanted to know how to pray and listen to what they did. They said in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, let's all say this out loud, church. Ready? Here we go. Lord, teach us to pray. That might be your prayer for this year, church. Lord, teach me to pray. Like, I, I, I don't know how to. I want to know how to. I wish I knew how to. I should have been praying a lot longer. I get a little bit nervous. I'm not exactly this, like, spiritual prayer warrior that I want to be. But, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Let's say it out loud one more time, church. Ready? Here we go. Lord, what? Teach us to pray. And I'm telling you what. When you will pray that prayer, Jesus will answer that prayer. Do you believe that? I believe with all my heart. Number two, if you would, write this down. Three ways to grow in prayer is we create room for prayer. Uh, that's going to be the final song that we're going to respond with today. It's going to be this idea of creating space and room for God to do whatever he wants to. The truth is, is that we've got good intentions with prayer, but we don't always have great follow through. And the busyness of life is going to take something that's really important. It's going to move it down the priority list. I've heard it said this way before, that if the devil can't make you bad, he's going to make you too busy. I think prayer is one of those things that we need to make sure that we're putting as a priority. And to do that, we need to make sure that we're putting it on our schedule. We're putting it on the alerts on our phone. It's not, it's not on your notes, but maybe if you would, write this down on your notes. Write down a time for tomorrow. 1.47 p.m. 1.47 p.m. I was reading scripture yesterday in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 came to my mind and it says... Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. And I just thought to myself, what would it look like if we created space as a church at 1.47 every day? And we just prayed. And we began to just make it, if we only prayed for one minute a day, 60 minutes in an hour, one minute a day, and if we all collectively prayed, do you think it would make a difference eternally? Do you think so, church? I do. 
See, there's some things that we can do. We can think to ourselves, I'm just so busy. I, I've got so much to do. Well, maybe what you could do is you could change something that you're doing on your way to work. Instead of listening to that podcast or listening to the news or listening to the oldies or, you know, or, or, or you know, on XM 6, 6 on 60, 60s on 6, whatever it is, then maybe you would just spend that 5 to 10 minutes of that commute praying. Possibly what you could do for those of you that enjoy exercising and walking, and that's a New Year's resolution, and you're, and you're walking through your neighborhoods, maybe you would pray for your neighborhoods and pray for the opportunity to be able to share the love of God with your neighbors. I'm not exactly sure how, to, how God is going to lay it on your heart to pray, but I think it's important that we create space for him. And the third is this, and this is the most important, if you would write this down, that we learn how to pray God's word. That we learn how to pray the Bible. God's word is going to be the one that is going to change everything. See, oftentimes what happens is, is that we go to God during times of struggle. Does God, hear our, does God hear our prayers in times of struggle? Yes, absolutely. He cares more than we even want to know that he cares. But if our prayers are only coming to him in times of need, it's revealing something about the quality and the depth of our relationship with Jesus. One of my favorite authors, who's kind of hard to read sometimes because he speaks so clearly, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Notice what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about this. He says, we need to learn to pray from the richness of God's word rather than the poverty of our circumstances. Wow. This is a person who was in a concentration camp. Pretty dire situation. And he prayed in the midst of his circumstances. We need to be willing to pray from the richness of God's word rather than the poverty of our circumstances. Does God care about our circumstances? Absolutely. But it's going to be from meditating and reading and understanding God's word where the power and the life change is going to come. So if you would, we're going to turn the corner on your notes before we talk about fasting. And we're just going to talk about God's word for a moment. More than a moment. A couple moments. Here's the question. Why do we read the Bible? Right? Like, why don't we sleep in those 15 minutes? Why, why do we go out of our way to continually every year say, if you're not reading God's word, make it a priority. Make it a discipline this year to do it. And here's why. Number one, if you're taking notes, is because the Bible is foundational for a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible is foundational for a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the primary way that we learn who God is and who Jesus is. And when we read God's word, it gives us hope. It gives us encouragement. It gives us guidance. It's practical. It gives us advice in air to everyone, every situation, every circumstance. It is there. God's word is foundational to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And number two, if you would write this down, the Bible is our definitive source for truth. We're living in a world right now where truth is up on the auction block. People are questioning what truth is or what is right or what is wrong or what, what do you mean by is or the, right? But the Bible is our authoritative truth source. And it's just not some of the Bible. It's all of the Bible. One of my favorite teachings of Paul, he writes to his protege, Timothy, when he says this. He says, all scripture, everyone say all. 
All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That word righteousness just means becoming more like God. It's becoming in right relationship with God. As Christy was mentioning earlier, it's not about trying harder. God has already accomplished it on the, on the cross. But as we're learning what Christ has done for us on the cross, it changes who we are. And at times, it's going to feel like we're teaching, like, like maybe even now. From time to time at an accountability group or with, 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 uh, in a, in a smaller context, rebuking, just like saying that's wrong, correcting, getting back on the path, training, equipping to become more like Jesus Christ. It is the primary way that we do this. And, and friends, I'm telling you what, I could do an entire teaching series on this and I want to, but I can't. I literally ran out of paper. So I had to cut this whole next section out. And I apologize because this is like my area of passion. For those of you that are going to get to know Pastor Brent, you're going to be like, Brent loves God's word. Does that surprise you, anybody? I love God's word. And I'm going to share with you like seven or eight reasons why I love God's word, why it's important. I'm going to go fast. And you're going to be like, I'm going to, I'm getting carpal tunnel. Slow down, Pastor. No, you can go on YouTube later and you can look at some of these. But I want to tell you, here is why God's Word is worth reading. Number one is because it reveals who God is. It reveals who God is. And, and the Hebrew writer was talking about there was a time writing to the, into the Old Testament where, where God revealed Himself through the prophets, revealed Himself in that way, but it now says in Hebrews, but now He's revealed Himself through the Son, the Maker of the universe. The Son, verse 3 says, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact reputation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after he provided purification of our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the Father. So Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. He is the one that we're banking eternity on. And we need to know who he is and what he taught. Number two, it teaches us how to imitate God. It teaches us how to imitate God. It reminds us in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 to follow the example of Jesus as a dearly loved child. Another one, it helps us discover what our spiritual next step is. Psalm 119 says that your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. There are some of you right now that you've got a major life decision that you need to make and you don't know where to look. You don't know where to find advice. I want to tell you, some of you are looking for what it looks like a year from now. And the truth is, is you, you need to trust God with a year from now, but you need to look to him for your next step. And his word will guide your next step. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 goes on to say that it will keep us from sin. I love Psalm 119. It is all about reading God's Word. The psalmist says that I have hidden your Word in my heart so that I might not, what? Sin against you. If you're serious about becoming more like Jesus, it means that we need to sin less. And the reason why we sin less isn't to prove our salvation, but in essence what it does is it places us in a position to be used by God in a more powerful way. Another thing that we need to do is we need to renew our minds so that we can know God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. goes on to say, And do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what, church? Your mind. So that you can test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect what church will. 
The only way you're going to know the will of God is by knowing the word of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? It provides certainty of what God said. There's a lot of people that are putting a lot of misinformation out there, but you can look to the truth of God's word for the certainty in uncertain times. It gives us the desires of our heart. John 15, verse 7, Jesus says that if you will store up my word in your heart, I will give you the desires of your heart. And that's not prosperity gospel, friends. That is a promise of God. That when you're praying and God is infusing your heart and he's changing your mind, when you pray the heart of God, he's going to answer his heart. And so when you begin to understand his word, he's going to change what you pray for. And he's going to direct your path. It offers a strength and courage. Right now, some of you need strength and courage. I'm reminded of Joshua taking on the mantle of leadership from his, from his rabbi. And he was afraid. And God spoke to him and said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. And goes on to say in, in Joshua 1, 8 and 9, Have I not commanded you to meditate on the law day and night? And do everything that is written. The last thing that I want to share with you comes from the psalmist. And the psalmist says that if we will read God's word, it's going to make our lives fruitful. It's going to make it fruitful. You know, as the believers in the New Testament, we've been called not to judge. But we have been called to inspect fruit. And one of the things that happens when we read God's word, it changes the soil of our spirituality. And the seed that is there takes roots. And then there's a harvest and the fruit comes I love Psalm 1, 2, 2 and 3. It says, but delight in the law of the Lord who meditate on the law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither and whatever they do prospers. So, friends, I could talk more and more and more about this. But if I had to give you one big idea on why we read God's word, it's because it's going to tell us who he is. Write this down. The goal of reading the Bible is to know God better and to do what it says. The goal of reading the Bible is to know God better and to do what the Bible says. As you're writing that down, I want to share with you something that you've probably heard, and that is in a very recent, as in within the last couple of months, there's been a research that's come out from the Center for Biblical Engagement, and it did a study of over 40,000 people ages 8 to 80 in every aspect of their life spiritually. And it studied their Bible reading patterns. And this is what it discovered, that if a person reads the Bible one day a week, for example, in church, there's honestly not, not much of a difference. If they read the Bible twice a week, in church and maybe once at a gathering during the week, sadly not much of a difference. Change begins to happen the third time a person reads. You begin to see some changes, but listen to this. If a Christian or a person will read the Bible four times a week, I want you to listen to this. Statistically, there is a 30% drop in feelings of loneliness. There's a 32% drop in fe feelings of anger. There's a 57% drop in alcoholism. There's a 61% drop in pornography. There's a 60% feelings of stagnancy that are dropped. And listen to this. A person's desire to share Jesus with an unbeliever multiplies 200%. So when we are in God, yeah, I'm just saying, when we are in God's word, it changes 
us and changes us from the inside out. And so for, for some of you that are, that are on the fence of whether or not you want to do 21 days of prayer and fasting, I, I, I'm not trying to, this is, there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, but let me share a conviction with you. Believe that this is a spiritual breakthrough moment for our church, Bethany. What would it look like if for 21 days you just committed yourself to reading God's word every day? What would it look like for 21 days if you committed just a minute to pray? What would it look like if you committed five minutes or ten minutes? What would it look like if you fasted? You're thinking to yourself, well, fasting. I mean, now you've gone and done it, right? Where's that in the Bible? Unfortunately, cover to cover. So here we go. Here's the question. What is fasting? Guys, I need to tell you, it's similar to like communion and baptism. The Bible teaches about fasting all over the place. And it's just not intermittent fasting for a dietary choices. Fasting isn't, I'm, oh, I didn't have enough time to make breakfast, so I fasted today. <laughs> fasting isn't some magical spiritual bullet that we can shoot to get God's attention. It's also not meant to harm ourselves or to, to, to deprive ourselves. But rather, this is what fasting is. Fasting is about focusing on God. Fasting is about focusing on God. It's a discipline of abstaining from something good like food or something else so that we could focus more on Jesus. It's not something that we do to make God love us more. He can never love us more or less. His love for us is always the same. We don't do it for God's approval, and we also don't do it for someone else's approval. Jesus... In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says, When you fast, do not look somber as hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So there is an arrogance to this that we need to be careful about. Jesus is saying is the purpose here isn't to be super spiritual. The, the focus here isn't about people knowing that you're doing this. So if you're going around tomorrow morning and saying, you'll be noticing for the next 21 days, I'm going to be miserable, right? You're not doing that, right? You're not, you're not trying to draw attention to yourself, but rather what you're doing is you're, you're, you're trying to say, God, I want to look more like you. Jesus fasted, and so we are to fast as well. Now, another Bible verse here, verse 17, same passage. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face. This whole idea of when. Everyone say when. when. So this, it's this idea of Jesus saying is, is that you're going to be doing this. Right? Like when, when, you're, when you're baptized as a believer. Right? Like when we take communion, when you gather together. Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret Let's read these last three words together. What everyone will reward you. You know what the reward of fasting is? It's not that you're going to be cutting down on your caloric intake for the day. It's not so that your pants fit a little bit better. That might be a byproduct of it. It's not so that you maybe wean off of the addiction to caffeine or sugar. Or that maybe you're, you're not looking at social media as much. Or possibly you're doing something different at night. You're watching different things. You're choosing different things. The benefit of it is that you're replacing whatever that was that you looked to for comfort to God. And in the midst of that, God begins to reveal himself to you in some very, very profound ways. I just want to remind you that it's just not a Jesus thing that we see fasting all the way through the Old Testament. Moses fasted, Daniel fasted, David fasted. In the New Testament, Jesus fasted, the disciples fasted, the apostle Paul fasted. And they fasted for different reasons. Some people fasted to mourn. 
Some people fasted to, um, to, to humble themselves, to focus more on God. I'm reminded of Jesus when, when, when he fasted. He said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's this idea that even during temptation, Jesus fasted. And he fasted on the truth of the word of God. I want to remind you that there's, there's going to be a spiritual breakthrough for some of you. And for some of you, you're going to begin to look at food differently because of fasting. Jesus was called many things, but one of those, did you know that he was called the, he, 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 was, he was not only the good shepherd, but the word was, was called the, the bread of life. And, and, and so for some of us, where we've been looking to physical bread, what we're going to discover during 21 days of prayer and fasting is that we're going to begin to nourish ourselves on spiritual bread. The Word of God. And it's going to nourish us in ways that we've never thought possible before. So um, let me go ahead and um, have you write down the three reasons why we fast. Number one is we fast to connect with God. Similar to prayer, we want to pray so that we can connect with God. We fast so that we can connect with God. And it is really, truly, it's a submission issue. It's a discipline issue. And it's going to be challenging. I'm going to talk about some of the physical challenges in just a moment. Number two, the reason why we fast is to focus on God. It's going to go ahead and take, uh, it's going to take our focus away from one thing to the other. I've, I've written it this way, that fasting helps us to say no to our desires so that we can say yes to Jesus. And when we begin to um, give something up that, that distracted us before, it allows us to refocus ourselves on spiritual matters. And those spiritual matters are going to create a spiritual breakthrough for many of us. But if you would write down number three, we fast to depend on God, to show our dependence on God. It's, it's an opportunity for us to put all of our hope, all of our faith, all of our comfort on him and with him. For many of us, we've never not been able to get water when we wanted to drink water. We've never not been able to buy food when we wanted to buy food. By living in the West, specifically in California, friends, we are blessed. Amen. And for some of us, we need to be reminded there are places in the world that clean water is not assumed. That, that a, a meal is not assumed. And so for us to be able to deprive ourselves might expand our heart for a mission. Might expand our heart for the, the spiritually hungry and the physically hungry in the world. So how do we do it? I, guys, it's just not, not giving up food. That's a part of it. But what fasting is, it's, 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 it's praying, Lord, would you reveal something that I'm turning to first? And would you direct me towards you when I would turn to that? I know for me, for the longest time, I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing that I would turn to was this right here. And what I had to do is I, I had to put it far away from my bedstand. And what I needed to do is I actually needed to go old school Sunday school with an actual Bible. A physical Bible and just turn it open and just begin to read it. Now the discipline is, is I figured out a way with version to be able to get the Bible verses to go automatically generate to my phone. So the very first and only thing I see on my phone in the morning is God's Word. And those first times of the day that I'm doing that. So men, that's why I want to invite you to join me on Tuesday. That you'll know that you're not alone. I text 
with so many people and we share the, the observations that are in the Life Journal. We do have a couple more of these Life Journals available in the lobby on the way out. Um, inside of there is a Bible reading plan. We've made those Bible reading plans available for free. They look like this right here, and you can grab one of those. The same Bible reading plan that's available in the Life Journal. It's also the same Bible reading plan that you can get on Version just by typing in Life Journal plan, and it pops up, and it'll text you every day. It'll email you every day. If they had homing pigeons, they'd probably send those as well. I'm not sure. But all I know is, is my job, church, is many things. But the primary thing that one day I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an accounting for is this. Did I equip the saints for work in ministry? That's Ephesians. And if this is equipping. So if it feels like, man, that wasn't as funny as it normally is. That wasn't as entertaining as it normally is. Friends, this isn't about a game. This is about eternity. This is the most important thing that we can be focusing in on for 21 days. Prayer, fasting, reading God's Word. Do you believe that, church? So here, as the band makes their way up onto stage and as we, as we kind of conclude our time together this morning, I just want to give you one big idea. And here it is. Would you commit to growing spiritually in 2024? Would you commit to doing it? I, I, I just want you to, to, and this is not an emotional plea. This is, this is not just an intellectual plea. This is me trying to make it as clear as possible that there is a spiritual opposition to you wanting to do this right now. Right now, in your mind, there's all these reasons why this is not a good time to do it, why you're too busy, why you've committed to all these other things, and you just can't commit to another thing. So I fully realize what I'm saying. I'm going to ask you to potentially uncommit to some other things so that you can commit to this. A Bible verse comes to my mind. I put it there on your notes. And here it is. James 1, verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking in anything. Some of you are going through it right now. Some of you have been going against it all last year and maybe even the year before. Some of you want to give up. You want to, you just, you just want to just, you just want to quit. And what I want to tell you is, is don't. Don't quit. Rather, lean in. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Prayerfully discern reading God's Word daily, praying daily. Fasting daily, just for 21 days. And I, I promise you, if you'll, if you'll do it for, for four days a week, it's statistically proven it will make a difference. It'll impact you. It will. Would you make that commitment? Would you, would you pray about that? In just a moment, I'm going to have you guys stand and we're going to sing this final song. During that time, to my right and to my left, some, some of our spiritual leaders are going to come up and they're going to make themselves available to pray for you. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you, you need prayer. You need to share what's on your heart. They're here to pray with you. But here's the most important thing. If you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have not turned from your sin and turned into the loving arms of a Savior, that is the decision that you need to make today. And He is going to accept you as you are. And He is going to do all of the changing. And you're not going to have to try harder. 
He's going to do that for you. It's going to be a spiritual, supernatural change. The old is going to be gone, and the new is going to be, is going to be coming in Christ Jesus. If you've never given your life to Christ, I, when you come up here, I want you to, to pray with one of our leaders. Just let them know, I need Jesus in my life. I need him to change me. So if you would, stand to your feet at this time. Holy Spirit, would you now reveal in our hearts and our minds what it is that you want us to do? We're creating space. We're making room for you to do right now whatever you want to do. Lord God, I pray against fear. I pray against pride. I pray against busyness. I pray against hurry. That God, we would commit to the main things, the important things. That you love us, God, and you want us to know you better. You want us to become like your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, would you do a new thing here in our church family? Would you make us worshipers in spirit and in truth, lovers of the word, more like you, less like the world, all for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.